0: And Planet podcast. Today I'm joined by Josh Rabinowitz, the CEO and co-founder of wearable technology company Articulate Labs. Hi Josh, how are you? Doing well, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Thank you for joining us. Um, it's going to be super interesting because we, we, we don't talk to too many companies that are in the business of physical therapy and rehabilitation. So it's going to be a, a, certainly a unique one, definitely, um, with the technology that you guys have got. So why don't we start then there? Um, please share with our listeners a, a little bit more about the problem that you guys solved with the company mission um, and how you, you came about to that.
1: So we, we we came across the problem of of access to physical medicine quite, uh, quite literally by accident. Okay. Uh, my co-founder survived a, a motorcycle accident. Uh, that uh, left him uh, left one leg amputated. Uh, one of the indirect outcomes of that situation was uh, him wearing out the cartilage in the knee of his fully intact leg as he was relearning to walk. Uh, he was advised to delay surgery. Uh, he found uh, physical therapy, especially with a uh, focus on strengthening the musculature around that joint, uh, to be effective for for uh, mitigating the uh, the pain and the dysfunction he was feeling. But he wasn't able to make it all the physical therapy uh, sessions that he was prescribed uh, because he you know, had actually just uh, uh, shortly before the accident had closed on a series A on, on his first startup. So that was going to keep him busy. He all you know, so he had work commitments. He had family commitments uh, and the physical therapy clinic was a, a half hour drive each way from home. Uh, once we so so he was frustrated with the situation. Um, we started talking with, with others in the space, um, started looking looking a little bit into the space itself, uh, discovered first of all, you know, tens of millions around the world are in, in this, you know, in the same space of, of, of dealing with degenerative uh, joint conditions uh, and uh, that the vast majority of the population uh, dealing with these situations, one, don't get prescribed physical therapy uh, and two, uh, those who do get prescribed physical therapy uh, only a, a small percentage of them, about thirty uh, percent, make it to their all their sessions and stay compliant with home-based regimens. So it was clear, you know, it was you know this was a a, a widespread problem and that yeah. it yeah. wasn't it wasn't just an issue of insufficient muscle strengthening. It was it was a a it was a broader issue of of access to to a type of care.
0: Interesting. Okay, so, so what's, what's the solution then? I, I, I believe uh, from, from reading up, this is specifically for knees at the moment, is that right?
1: Yes, uh, j- just for knees at the, uh, at the moment. Um, we The underlying technology is extensible to other, other joints and conditions. Yeah. Uh, that, that technology um, is uh, at its root neuromuscular electrical stimulation. Uh, It's a therapy that, or it's a a treatment that's been in use in physical therapy for quite some time as a a means to uh, assist the muscle strengthening and retraining process by uh, running current through a muscle in order to force it to contract. Uh, We improve upon that technology with uh, integration of motion tracking hardware and our own uh, joint joint modeling system that we developed that would uh, drive stimulation to occur in synchrony with user movement. Uh, so the goal then is to, with this technology, is to integrate uh, physical medicine and specifically the the process of restrengthening and retraining muscle into normal everyday activity.
0: Okay, okay. so so what is it like? A, almost like a sock that you would put over your your knee and then?
1: Actually, it uh, won't be of use to the podcast audience. Uh, visually, I do have... Uh, version of this device and of course blur is, is not working with me here
0: uh, oh, it no, looks- I get it I get it we, get we actually it. We, we actually go out on video as well Josh so, so we, we were right, able terrific. to see our listeners will be able to see this <laughs> so that, make, that makes total sense in particular I remember speaking to you previously and the AI and ML side of this product as well seemed really unique and really interesting give us a little bit of an idea of how that works sure I guess I'll touch
1: on what first why uh, we needed AI or ML yeah. in the first place, um, which is one thing we discovered trying to an you know, in initial versions of this device. We attempted to uh, uh, to pre-program for uh, user gate, and it seems like something you know that would be normal and and predictable and 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 expected that you 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 kind of kick out one leg in front, of, uh, kick out one leg, you heel strike kick out the other leg, uh, etc. Um, but everyone, you know healthy people have have subtle differences in their gait, and that that exacerbates with people who are uh, who are dealing with uh, with uh, complex or or chronic musculoskeletal conditions where there's a tendency to develop compensatory movements as a way to deal with with joint pain. Um so people would um, and we saw this in our feasibility study, or, or see this just walking uh, with people walking down the street. They might drag one leg behind their, uh, behind another. They might kind of hitch up one side as as they're as they're walking. Uh, they might kind of uh, walk peg legged or or goose step. Uh, there's all kinds of variations in gait that you can't necessarily anticipate uh, developing from the bench. Uh, so what we did instead is develop a system. That could intelligently learn from and adapt to user gate, and effectively build a gate cycle uh, of its own uh, to to uh, to use for the patient. Um, doing that, having having that level of intelligence and, and adaptability uh, allows the device to uh, make you know to actually stimulate muscle at intended times uh, or, or at, uh, at at intent. Intended during intended movements or during intended phases of of gait, um, despite any uh, irregularities, uh, allows for a very uh, brief period of personalization or calibration uh, to the user, which is necessary for getting uh, getting buy in from busy clinicians, Uh, and it'll make sure that this device is able to uh, adapt to a wide variety of of movements that have not previously been uh, been anticipated.
0: Wow, clever stuff, I like it. Um, so what about what about yourself then um you stepped into the role of, of ceo um what what about before this what's your story what's your background
1: uh it's an odd one um my my education's in political theory uh i uh-huh. uh, i started off in in the policy space uh i i i did still enjoy uh pol- you know things like policy analysis and and uh and creation but uh, I didn't necessarily enjoy the people or the systems I was working in. Yep. Uh, i I found myself gravitating towards uh, towards nonprofits. uh after that, i my first role coming out of that was serving as an AmeriCorps member for a college access nonprofit. And that's where I discovered that i I actually really enjoyed being dropped into unfamiliar situations and kind of working my way out. Uh, I continued to work or consult in the operations and finance space uh, until until this uh, until this company got created, and uh, you know from there it's been a, a steady process of working my way up, learning curves of of uh, engineering and business and and medicine and to some extent leadership. Uh, you know, working with uh, people who've been in this space, finding finding uh, advisors and mentors. You know, always finding ways to double check our work as we uh, as we move forward.
0: Yeah. Excellent, so when, when, was, when did this business start?
1: So it actually, the company actually incorporated and, and development started in 2009. Yeah. Um, and there was an initial attempt to commercialize uh, back then that was unsuccessful because at that point there was just no product market fit. Uh, at that time, there was, there was absolutely no interest uh in any type of remote or virtual care uh for worse yet it, it was viewed as competitive uh, at that point it, everything was you know it was 100 fee for service and our model our, the way our device worked would inevitably take food off of the plate of either of a, a physical therapist or an orthopedic surgeon uh, it wasn't you know we didn't feel we had an opportunity a good opportunity to uh to take this to market again until about 2017 uh, we we restarted the company then. Um, did, now development and and and, and testing had, had continued uh, during that time, but we also kind of retreated to uh, you know, to build up, uh, you know, build, rebuild, kind of rebuild savings and, and uh, and kind of work on on the uh, on the on the business plan. But um, you know, at that at that point, we were starting to see more uh, at 2017. Uh, one, we got into a health tech accelerator that that gave us kind of access to the type of people and resources that we, we were lacking pre- uh, previously. Um, but also we were starting to see a real movement towards value-based care uh, and toward uh, toward the, the use of, of remote or virtual uh, medicine uh, that's only, you know, picked up immensely in pace since COVID.
0: Sure. I can imagine. And that, that was going to be my next question, actually, about the actual industry itself, you, you know. Uh, so, Moving on in terms of how you've seen it develop over time. And you said that when you started right back in 2009, it was almost seen as a competition. Um, You know, as time progresses, now it's seen very much as a solution to a problem. Um, What about what about since COVID? You know, are you seeing how have you seen the industry change since then?
1: Well, certainly there's uh, there's no putting the genie back in the bottle with regards to remote or virtual care. Mm -hmm. Um, I I think, you know, prior to COVID, um, there was a lot of a lot of opposition, especially from like state medical boards towards any type of telemedicine service. Uh, You can uh, look at like the the work of of Michael Gordon or uh, Michael Gordon with TeleDoc, and the type of battles he had to fight just to have uh, general practitioners be able to take video calls with patients and let them, know, you know, and and be able to just diagnose, hey, I think you've got a cold. Um, like that, you know, there there is absolutely efforts on on the part of of uh, regulatory bodies to you know not just prevent but actively punish people uh, that were taking part in any kind of telemedicine service. Uh, now it's understood that this is a this is a tool to help extend care outside of the clinic. Uh, the advent of a remote therapeutic monitoring, remote uh, um, uh, our, our remote therapeutic monitoring remote patient monitoring based reimbursement now means that there is an opportunity to actually generate revenue when uh when you're not seeing patients um so it it changes the, it, it changes how uh some clinicians not all but it changes how some think about how they how they budget time how uh, how they manage workflow, how they manage uh, patients, uh, the flow of patients through their through their facility. Uh, so that's that's one big change. I, I think another thing that's that's happened post COVID. Um, is the uh, the acceleration of. The inclination of, of, of or the, the and I I I hasten to say worsening. I don't know what the right phrase is, but the the fact that uh, private insurance is squeezing both patients and providers at least stateside. Uh, that uh, clinicians are struggling to uh, to make the same amount of, of profit, make the same uh, same amount of, of revenue uh, as reimbursement either diminishes or or minimally doesn't keep up with uh, with cost of, of maintaining the business. Uh, and likewise, patients are seeing their their premiums go up. Without necessarily experiencing a, a uh, an increase in care delivered, uh, that is forcing both patient and provider to be to, to look for solutions outside of uh, outside of insurance. So specifically in the physical medicine and rehabilitation space, you're seeing a lot more uh, self-pay uh, seeing, or, or, or cash uh, cash pay uh, solutions. More clinicians are uh, not even bothering with uh, CMS or, or private insurance. They're going straight to payment. Um, so that's a, we, we, we do see, you know, especially in the physical medicine space, but I think we'll start seeing in other spaces, a, a merging of what's considered medical and what's considered health and wellness. Um, so that, you know, it means that we're, our device, our, tech, our type of technology, I think similar technologies in the future, we will see increasingly move to a direct-to-consumer model Um, Especially, you know, it is already sort of happening now uh, beyond self pay. A lot of uh, a lot of companies in our space are selling almost exclusively to systems like the VA or to employer uh, health benefit plans where there's an opportunity for uh, uh, basically making, you know, getting a, a direct purchase without kind of fighting through multiple committees and multiple decision makers and and even you know getting through that point and still getting uh, getting rejected by reimbursement. So it's a it's a simpler sale with higher margins uh, that I think you'll you'll see more and more of that uh, replicated as, as time goes on.
0: That's interesting, isn't it? and would you would you need to have uh, some sort of referral from a qualified healthcare practitioner to, to 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 purchase one of these?
1: For our current version of the device uh, and in the US, yes. Uh, yeah. This device is prescription only. Uh, the the intent for future versions of this device uh, would be to have a a level of self calibration such that a, uh, a a clinician would not necessarily need to be overseeing uh, overseeing the, the setup of the device. So it could be sold direct to consumer. Uh, that's not to say that we would cut clinicians out of the loop by by any stretch, uh, but it would be it would allow us a lot more flexibility. It would also be a better fit with the the rest of the world, where uh, technologies like this, uh, like, or like muscle stimulation, are effectively available over the counter.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And that I suppose that leads in nicely to to, to what comes next for you guys. Is that very much the plan? Um, you know, anything exciting that you guys can can share with our listeners?
1: Sure. You know, so a couple of things uh, we're working on right now are are kind of you know in- entrance into additional verticals. So. Uh, in, the, in fact, in the, in the next week or so, we'll be starting our first clinical trial uh, in conjunction with uh, the Keller Army Community Hospital at West Point. Uh, Their uh, cadets who are recovering from ACL reconstruction will be uh, using our devices. And the, the goal there is to measure uh, whether we can uh, help, these, help these cadets return to duty faster and generally improve mi- uh, and, uh, military readiness or the, the availability of, of able-bodied soldiers. Uh, so, uh, there, we see a lot of fit with uh, the military, uh, both with active duty and with uh, veterans, uh, that we, we hope to be able to to serve in the near future. Uh, we're in the process of uh, working on a, uh, a memorandum of understanding with NASA. Uh, there's, there's interest in, in this technology as well as some of the supporting technologies we're looking at to improve kind of the control loop mechanisms for our device. Uh, one thing that happens uh, in space within a couple weeks of, of time spent uh, in zero gravity is you experience uh, significant uh, uh, muscle uh, muscle s- uh, strength loss, muscle volume loss. Um, people on the uh, astronauts on the International Space Station have to spend two to two and a half hours uh, exercising, trying to maintain their muscle mass. So there's, there's interest in technologies like this being used as a way to uh, to treat uh, to treat musculature uh, or to you know, to assist with the re-strengthening retraining process uh, and again with the uh, some of the control loop mechanisms we're using for actually determining uh, what's going on with uh, with the muscle uh, you know lastly I'd, I'd say uh, there's a lot of interest uh, in in applying this in sports medicine and uh, we're uh, we've had we've had some opportunity to uh, meet with trainers for professional sports teams uh, in the U.S. You know, I, I, right now the the biggest point of feedback there that they've given us has been around usability uh, and data collection, uh, which also uh, we just did a lot of work like that uh, as a result of some of the f- the feedback from our our partners at West Point. Uh, so, you know, we're 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 thinking, hoping that our our you know current version of this device meets those uh, usability and data requirements, and that we might be able to start using these devices to assist. Uh, Professional or amateur athletes uh, recovering from uh, or or dealing with chronic knee conditions, or recovering from knee surgery.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And so, so what? What's kind of um, the time difference between using this device and not using this device? Hopefully, in terms of you know fully fit to 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 be either military ready or sports ready.
1: Yeah, that's it's it's one of the biggest questions we're looking to answer with yeah. uh, the trial at West Point, so I, I don't have a, a data backed answer for you at the moment. The closest proxy uh, I could I could give you uh, was a study we found uh, with uh, a, a muscle stimulation device. that was kind of rigged to work like ours, uh, that, but it was it was lab only uh, showed a near doubling in strength recovery within four weeks of ACL reconstruction. So, you know, based on that, our, our hope is really that we can cut rehab time
0: in half. Because you, you must think about the, you know, the cost of, I'm, I'm thinking sports here, the cost of to a sports team of spending tens and tens and tens of millions of dollars on, let's say, a, a football player. And that football player yeah. having an ACL injury that, that renders them injured all season. But using one of your devices, they could perhaps play half the season. And
1: you know, it's crazy. Yeah. you know it, it's um that's it, you know the other thing about that that we we want to we want to analyze and measure is that many people who recover from ACL reconstruction don't actually return to where they were prior to sure. uh, prior to the surgery. Uh, so there might be a return to duty or a return to sport, but they don't uh, they just don't have the same sure. level of strength, the same level of explosiveness. Yeah. most importantly, there's there's a uh, or not. Most importantly, there, there's a a, a, uh, a fear uh, that that can hang around after you had an injury like that. That you you yes. don't you yeah. don't take this you don't push yourself in the same ways because you're afraid of of injuring the joint again. Um, so, you know, I, I think it's not you know our goal there is it's not just to be able to accelerate the time to to return to duty, but also or, or return to sport, um, but also do so you know. Have a have a full return of of quality uh, for those folks. To to your point about about the value, that's yeah, it's it, it's hard to ignore. You know, we we see uh work you know with uh, people who are injured on the job, um and are on wor- uh, workers workers compensation. Uh, it's about five hundred and fifty dollars per day, uh in in cost to the employer that every every uh that that person's not not working or is not working at full capacity. Uh, And that's for for someone who is worth, you know, tens of thousands of dollars, not millions or tens of millions. Uh, So it's hard not to imagine that there wouldn't be a a commensurate increase in scale, uh, being able to address the rehabilitation needs of some of these athletes.
0: Really, really interesting stuff. Um, And and, and Josh, it'd be great to do a follow up of this um, conversation when you've got that data back from West Point. Um, And we can see the feasibility on this. Josh, great to speak to you. Um, Guys, this is Josh Rabinowitz from Articulate Labs. Thank you again. Thank you for having me.